Well, yeah, it was on it was on my birthday. We were down that way, and yeah. Tess and Joe wanted to go to to Burger Barn, mm-hmm. and I saw the big bull. You know, they have a big bulletin board. That's not what you call it. You know, the thing by the side of the road that has yep. a big sign. So <laughs> billboard. Billboard. <laughs> This is what happens when you hit 40, right? <laughs> you lose your words. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one who does that. Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Happy New Year, listeners, and welcome to the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy, And I'm Christopher. And with us, as always, is producer Doug. Hi, Doug. Yay! Yay! I never get to cheer during the book section. Yay! <laughs> you can cheer during the book section. That should be our goal for 2021. <laughs> Cheering for the book section. But I think first we're cheering because it's 2021, right? Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And Doug, what number episode is this? Four zero. The big four zero. Woohoo! We're we're podcast episodes adults now. Yeah. (laughs) Speak for yourself. No, in podcast, what did we learn last year, Stacey? Like average podcast last seven episodes or something like that? Yep, seven episodes. So we're doing pretty well. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us. Yes, absolutely. Please tell a friend or two friends or lots of friends to join (laughs) us as well. We appreciate you all very much. So we're going to, we are starting out the 2021 with an adventure from Christopher. So we are Christopher, tell us what you guys have been up to. (laughs) Well, you know, like many of us, um, you know, our lives are kind of revolving around work and our home right now, right? Because we're still kind of under stay at home in California. And this is, I forget how many episodes we've recorded remotely. All three of us are in separate places still, but you know, the beauty of being in the Eastern Sierra is there are opportunities to get out and still not be around people, especially at this time of year, right? Right, right. And one of the things about, you know, the mountains is up every canyon, there's a road. (laughs) (laughs) Often ends at a lake or a trailhead or, you know, a pack station or all three. And in the winter months, they often close at points, you know, that past which is difficult to keep them plowed and the facilities at the lakes and the trailheads close for the season. Right. So, you know, a lot of locals and visitors after this, after it snows and, and those roads are covered um, with the white stuff, you know, we'll go out with our snowshoes or cross country skis or what have you and continue to use the backcountry responsibly. Um, and so what we did, although this was just before the December snows, um, our adventures, we went up to mm-hmm. North, we went up to North Lake, which is up Bishop Creek out of Bishop. Some of you will recognize North Lake. If you're Mac users, it's one of the screensavers or desktop mm-hmm. 
wallpapers. Um, that's like a fall season with aspens on color and a dusting of snow. That's here. That's in the Eastern Sierra. I didn't know that. I know, right? I didn't know it until I came back and someone pointed it out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I recognize that. That's awesome. <laughs> Love that. So at any rate, um, yeah, you drive up Highway 168 towards this little hamlet called Aspendell. Yes. Up Bishop Creek. And there's a little Cardinal Village Resort is there. And they do great pizza, that sort of thing. Um, but that's where the road closes, just past Aspendell. And before the snows hit, it was just a walk. So we just went beyond the road barrier and walked up to North Lake. And that's about an eight-mile round trip from where mm-hmm. the road closes. And it's up, 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 when it eventually becomes a very windy, narrow, dirt road. Um, those of you who are familiar with North Lake for fishing or 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 in the fall season, leaf peeping, it's a major spot where a lot of people come to take photos of the aspens. You'll realize, you'll remember that road. It's a narrow dirt road that kind of winds along the side of a mountain, kind of straight up on one side and straight down on the other. And they don't let RVs or trailers on it because it's too narrow. And if you come up with another car, one of you has to back up into a pullout. Okay. You know, it's one of those, you know, you're just not going to race down. So we actually <laughs> we actually avoid the lake during the open season, um, especially leaf peeping season, because the road is just too much. But, you know, it's great to walk when there's no one else right. up there. And the lake itself is at about 9,500 feet. So it's about 1,000 feet elevation. Mm-hmm. And it's a good workout. It was a beautiful day. You were walking up and the view back kind of north up into the valley and the other mountains is amazing. Again, you're kind of walking up through aspen groves mm-hmm. and, you know, the mountains around you. And in the wintertime, it is so quiet. It's almost indescribable. That's one of the things I love about going on hikes here is, is that, that state of quiet that you get to. It's Isn't very it? meditative and, and really... It really forces you to be in the moment, in the present. It really does, right? I felt something very similar to what you just said. It almost forces you to appreciate the solitude and appreciate mm-hmm. the silence and and kind of just reground yourself. Yeah. Um, kind of understand what forest bathing is all about, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so... And what we love about this is, you know, listeners who aren't used to going to frozen mountain lakes <laughs> in, in the <laughs> wintertime, you may not realize, you know, there's still water going in and out of these lakes, even though there's ice over the top. And so the, the lakes gurgle, they right. gulp. And so you'll be up there. We were up at North Lake and it was completely frozen over, just appreciating the silence. And then all of a sudden you hear the lake gulp. <laughs> <laughs> And it echoes through the mountains, right? Because there's no mm-hmm. other sound. And it, you know, it would do this about every 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And sometimes it was really quiet and sometimes it was really loud. And it was just kind of fun, you know? It's like, oh, there's something living under the ice, which I know is how other people often describe it. Right. That's so cool. Like a whale living under, or maybe that's where the origin story of the fish in the con- deep in Convict Lake comes from or something. Maybe. I don't know. but it is you know if you've never experienced it it's it's unexpected and again you know if you are in shape enough to snowshoe or cross country up some of these roads after they're closed you can have a really wonderful experience Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. It's so it it is. It's just so much fun, and even in non COVID years, <laughs> it is great to get out and into this kind of winter wonderland, and you know, just have that experience of being in in nature all by yourself, or you know, with with a loved one, and just you know, really enjoying the peace of what's out there. Yeah, you you really do, and you 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 kind of feel how small you are in the universe and you feel mm-hmm. grateful for being part of it. So listeners, you know, I, I know many of you are stuck at home and can't really travel, but when you can, or next year when things are safer, um, we encourage you to responsibly um, explore some of these areas and, and just kind of have this experience in the off season. If you can. Definitely enjoy, get out there, breathe deeply, breathe and- deeply. We'll be right back. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless, reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the B section of the podcast, the book section. Yay! Yay! We're, we, we're... Will, we will work on that cheer. <laughs> we say that every time. I know, I know. New year, new cheer. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we just kept, we've, we're coming back from a break. Um, and, you know, like many of you, we use our breaks to kind of read and do other things and get out of our, get out of reality for a little bit. So we're just going to talk about the books we've been reading, each of us lately. So, um, Stace, why don't we start with what you've been reading? Okay. Well, I just finished this a few days ago and it was a book that my daughter, Sarah, who's 22, recommended to me. And it's called Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn. And this is the author that also wrote Gone Girl. Right. Um, But Sharp Objects is her first novel and it was published in 2007. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll just read the the summary that that, uh, Amazon.com had for it. Reporter Camille Preaker faces a troubling assignment. She must return to her tiny hometown to cover the murders of two preteen girls. For years, Camille has hardly spoken to her neurotic, hypochondriac mother or to the half-sister she barely knows, a beautiful 13-year-old with an eerie grip on the town. Now installed in her old bedroom in her family's Victorian mansion, Camille finds herself identifying with the young victims a bit too strongly. Dogged by her own demons, she must unravel the psychological puzzle of her own past if she wants to get the story and survive this homecoming. This is a twisted novel. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard other people say that. Why is it twisted? It is. Well, I don't want to give, I don't want to give any spoilers away or be a spoiler. I don't want to do that. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of hard to describe, but I mean, the, the care, the, the summary refers to Camille's mom, whose name is Adora. Okay. And this woman's got some issues and, (laughs) um, you know, you, 
I wouldn't say there are actually plot twists because I, I don't I didn't feel that way about it. I just thought that the characters and the plot itself was twisted. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just on a disturbing level, you know, yeah. that um, so there the 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 half Camille's half sister. She's mm-hmm. 13 years old. And when she's in the home, she is like overly mothered by her mother. Okay. And then the, uh, um, Cam- not Camille, um, Emma is the 13 year old girl. Her, her father, Camille's stepfather. Um, it's almost like he, he's like, she's like there, but he just doesn't do anything but provide commentary about whatever scene is going on, but he doesn't do anything. And, um, but the mother like overly mothers Emma and, you know, you, it's, it's very bizarre, her, her behavior and, and towards Camille, it's like she could care less. Interesting. And then, um, but when Emma is out and about in the town with her friends, she and her three friends kind of are the the queens of the town, mm-hmm. even though they're only 13, mm-hmm. she is very promiscuous and very knowledgeable about things that no 13 year old girl should be knowledgeable about. This is when she's away from her overprotective mother. Exactly. So, and then the, the whole reason that Camille's there is because her editor, or her publisher, whose name is Curry. And the, he's, he's like the one normal grounded figure in the whole novel okay and and he does care he really cares about camille and he is kind of like a father figure to her Mm -hmm. so i you know i'm wondering as the story is going on why did he send her there knowing that she's got this horrible mother that she doesn't have a relationship but he sends her there because these two little girls have been murdered and Mm -hmm. murdered in the same way they've both been strangled and then had all their teeth removed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so Curry wants Camille to go back and get this story from kind of a local angle. Okay. Right. He, they work for a small, like one-off newspaper in the city of Chicago. Okay. So they sent, he sends Camille to this little Missouri town And, you know, very kind of rural in the boondocks where these Mm -hmm. murders have occurred. And so it just was, um, the story moves pretty fast. Um, It's definitely a page turner. You do want to get to the end to find out, well, what's going to happen. Well, without, without giving anything away, can you let us know, is there a relationship between the murders and like her parents or? Yes. Okay. And with her and her mother, okay, there is, there is a is a, re, a relationship there, and um, it's you know it it I think it's very cleverly done, mm-hmm. actually. Um, mm-hmm. Although I don't, <laughs> no disrespect, but I always wonder when I read these these kind of twisted stories, what happened? You know, is the author okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, you know, like, how do you come up with these, like, really twisted stories? These really, you know, but 
Well, it's a challenge, right? I mean, you know, I often wonder too, is like, is, are they using this as therapy to write this out of their brain? Um, right. But, right. But you know, it's also, there's so much, um, kind of murder mystery literature out there. Now you really have to be almost unique and twisted to cut above the fray. Absolutely. And, you know, this author, Jillian Flynn went on to write, to write Gone Girl, you right. know, which, which was made into a really success, was a, you know, bestseller and then made into a successful movie. And I have not read that book, but I've seen the movie. And, th- mm-hmm. and you know, that's a pretty twisted story, too. And yeah. this book, Sharp Objects, was also made into a limited series which aired on HBO and you can still find if you have HBO you can still um find it there. Yeah, um, I think didn't it didn't this have like Amy Adams or something in it? This is a yeah. I think so. I have not seen it. I don't and I don't know if I want to watch it. You know, I, <laughs> I, I like the book for what it was. It was good. I don't know that I need to see a film ad- adaptation of it, but um you know, the, there are, this book is just filled with imperfect characters and mm-hmm. people who really have some pretty serious problems. And, um, you know, in a year like 2020, <laughs> kind of maybe puts things in perspective a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, that, so that, one last, one last yeah. question, Stace. Sure. Where where do you think the title "Sharp Objects" comes from? Is it is it made obvious in the novel or no? You know, I didn't really even think about it until you asked that question. But yes, it's obvious where okay. the where that um, where the title comes from. And um, yeah, it's it was it was definitely good. And uh, I made my daughter happy by reading a book that she recommended to me because I'm always recommending books to her. So that was <laughs> shout that out was to a, Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. Thank you, honey. And um, yeah, so now I have moved on and I am reading uh, Utopia Avenue, which Dave Leonard, our guest from the year end episode uh, recommended. So I'm enjoying that so far. Good. Yeah. Utopia Avenue yeah. by David Mitchell. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we, we look forward to hearing what you think about after the end of that one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share it. And what about you, Christopher? What are you reading now? Well, I've, I'm, I've got a couple to talk about as well. The first one I'll mention is out now. It came out in the falls and a lot of people are reading it. It was a good reads choice for adult fiction in 2020 and also a good morning America book club pick and it's called the midnight library by matt haig h-i-g we'll link all these on our our podcast webpage like we always do and what is interesting about this book is that it's it treats a very heavy topic in a kind of a light way and so um 35 year old nora seed uh is a single woman who you know when you're hitting your mid-30s you're starting to look back on what you where you think your life was supposed to go and where you think it could go and she struggles with depression and you know regrets about past choices she did or didn't make and so she chooses to overdose at age 35 that's the heavy bit right wow yeah serious serious topic not that books don't treat this uh, topic seriously but this one is an interesting one it's a novel instead of instead of dying she goes to what is called a place between life and death kind of like purgatory or something Uh i don't know 
but anyway, in her in her version, it's called the Midnight Library. And it's literally that. It's a library that carries an endless supply of books, each of which contains a story of how her life might move forward from there, depending on her choices. In other words, she's kind of given a second chance to reconsider her decision to commit suicide, right? She can go on to death or she can choose to follow one of these life books. And this is all explained to her by the librarian um, (laughs) who is a version of her elementary school librarian. Oh my. You know, I kind of, I'm a librarian myself. I tend to take these stories skeptically um, because everyone's always like, oh, Christopher, you should read this. It has a librarian in it. Um, Right. But this one was really, really creative. Um, she Each book that you read that she picks out, the librarian helps her pick because she has to pick carefully. The moment she opens it and starts reading, she falls into that life and she starts to live that life. And then... So, Christopher, is this like a time travel book? Yeah, in the sense that it's time not travel. <laughs> um, you know, she's still 35. Okay. Um, and she can, oh, okay. And, and you know, I won't give anything away, but she doesn't always stay on each of these paths. Sometimes she comes back to the library and she's back at that point in time that she started with and she's picking up elsewhere. Um, so, you know, she kind of reads out a variety of potential lives by opening different books throughout this this novel. And that's kind of the, the mechanism of the novel is, you know, some of these lives are a few chapters long, but some of them are just one chapter long. And the, it's the different versions of the life she could live going forward through the novel. It's almost a palate cleanser in a way, and that the language is super simple and it's a Uh quick read. There are no complex words in this book, except for the one section where she's an Arctic explorer. Um, the notions are very obvious, but cleverly presented. So for instance, when she starts to read and thus experience a life story, she is dropped into it without knowing what it is. So she has to, she has to catch up really quickly on the context and read the clues around her, um, to understand. So, you know, she, she, if she drops into a street and she's wearing clothes, she doesn't normally wear and strangers are saying hello to her. She has to quickly look at the shop signs and look at the people and see if she recognizes any of them and kind of just fudge it <laughs> until so she when, understands. So when she goes to these different store, it go, goes into mm-hmm. these different stories, the people that she encounters, they know her. Yeah. So the, pre- the, the way the librarian explains it is that these lives are all well, actually, another character explains it. I won't give it all away. But the lives are all simultaneously happening. And so, uh-huh. so they, they just know her as her. And they don't see her as a new person who's come in. Um, and then one, you know, a lot of it she has to read by the, character, the context that she experiences when she drops into it. Sometimes there's one where she's able to get to a Wikipedia page and look herself <laughs> up. You know, it, it's cleverly, wow. cleverly done. Okay. Um, you know, and she has a variety of different experiences that this isn't giving anything away. It's not in the jacket, like she's running a pub with her past boyfriend or being a scientist or being a championship swimmer, you know, different things that she could be doing. I'm not done with the book itself. So I'm not, okay. can't even give away the ending because I don't know right. it. Although I'm halfway through and I kind of know where it's going, um, in terms of character development. 
I will point out that the author Matt Haig has struggled with depression himself and actually wrote a really well-received memoir called Reasons to Stay Alive. It was a bestseller. Uh-huh. This was many years ago. And his other novels um, explore this kind of light fantasy approach around serious issues. So he has a following already. Okay. I'm enjoying this book. Again, it's the language is really light. Um, so it's kind of easy to read right now mm-hmm. when we're having trouble focusing. I right. think what might be resonating with people, this book with people in 2020 is that we're all kind of looking at our life choices, right? As we're stuck at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> More time um, to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. You can't help but right. look at it. So that is a book I will recommend it, even though I'm not done with it. It's The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. You can find these in the library, but also in bookstores and what have you. Yeah, I just downloaded it, so I'm excited to read it. Yeah, I'm curious to know what you think of yeah. it when you're, when you're done. So the other book that I'm reading, I'm doing um, because we do virtual story times at the library. And one of the newer ones that we've started is called Storytime Presents on Monday mornings, where we invite different people from around the area to read yep. a favorite picture book. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, I've let a lot of people go before me, uh, but now even, I'm me. Like, even you, you did a great yeah. Christmas one in oh, December. <laughs> it was so much fun. They are fun. And I realized when I was practicing doing story times, I'm really rusty at it. So this is a good excuse <laughs> to kind of work that muscle again. I was never a children's librarian. Um, the book that I picked is The Cool Bean by Jory John and Pete Oswald, who are one of my favorite picture yeah. book duos in mm-hmm. children's culture. I've talked about them on this podcast a long time ago. Yeah. The Bad <clears throat> Seed, I think. The Bad Seed. Um, yeah. They, I think their first collaboration in this particular series was called The Bad Seed, and it was about a bad sunflower seed. <laughs> and then their next book was The Good Egg. This book is the third book. It's called The Cool Bean. And their newest is called The Couch Potato, which I wanted to read, but someone checked it out before I got it. So they're, but they're really funny. This book is a story about a garbanzo bean (laughs) (laughs) who learns that being cool isn't about how you look or walk. It's about being kind and helpful. These, these books, part of the reason I like them, their illustrations are really well done and they're really just imaginative. And they also, you know, like other really good children's authors and illustrators like Mac Barnett or Mo Willems, these are kids books that the parents can get into because they're right. a little like Easter eggs that I call mm-hmm. them for adults that kids won't necessarily understand. So for instance, um, you know, there's one page where the, the bean is trying to be cool by putting on sunglasses and the little brand of sunglasses is called the Ray beans, <laughs> which adults would get that, right. but, you know, a four-year-old or a five-year-old that you're reading this with wouldn't necessarily right. understand that. So that's for the reader. And, you know, you know this very well, Stace, right? If you've got a young kid and a picture book that they like, you don't just read it once. No, you read it five times a day for six months. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the parents and grandparents and caregivers need something to hook on to. Jory John and Pete Oswald are great. Um, this is a good book. It's called The Cool Bean. And we will link it for you. I'm not going to give away the story. It's only 32 pages long. So I, I yeah. you know, people can read it on their own. But yeah, so Sounds those are some, some good books that we picked this time. I'm, I'm glad you um, specified that the cool bean was a garbanzo bean because I'm thinking it was a coffee bean. And, 
like, oh, okay, I can get behind that. But well, it's, it's, it's they're all such good books. They are good books. And I think, you know, they do a lot of different, each different character in this book is a different bean. So I think there's a lima bean and there's a red bean and I think there's a pinto bean. That's awesome. kind of the fun, right? Right. So. Very cool. And as a teacher already going through my head of the, all the different lesson plans I could come up with <laughs> going along with that that theme, that book. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, when, when you're given rich material, mm-hmm. it's, you can use it in so many ways. I mean, I think that's the hallmark of a good picture book, right? Is how many different ways can you apply this? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Librarians do the same thing. Like what kind of craft or activity can we do or, or other books to pair this with? And then as well as I, I often say to adults, you should look at picture books from time to time. They're great at sending a message. They're really creative and often very surprising and enjoyable, such as this one. Right. Fun for the whole family. Fun for the whole family. And listeners, we hope you've been reading some interesting books too. Feel free to let us know or suggest books that we should talk about on our podcast in 2021. And yeah, go get some tea or relax while we bring on our guest. We'll be right back. You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited today for our guest, Sarah Ray, to be joining us. Sarah is the newest member of the Mammoth Lakes Town Council, and she also works at Mammoth Hospital, and she's been a good friend of mine for several years now. And Sarah, I'm so happy that you're joining us today. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Adler and Christopher. Let's <laughs> <laughs> to make sure I use your honorific appropriately. Oh, <laughs> you're the only one. <laughs> I was going to say, it's usually only when you're in trouble, right? <laughs> Definitely. (laughs) I think we should celebrate each other's achievements. Absolutely. Very kind. And speaking of achievements, congratulations on the election. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I was so excited when I saw that you were running and I just thought, what a great voice and uh, individual to have on our town council. And you're going to bring a great perspective and attitude towards that group. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I've been uh, getting a lot of congratulations and I say my, my line now is thank you. I'm a fool. Um, (laughs) 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 What a time to, uh, you know, assume public office during a pandemic in a town dependent on tourism. Um, (laughs) so, but I'm really honored to have to serve. And, um, you know, I just, I love this town and I'm, and I've thought about it for a few years and it just seemed like I was in a good place in my life where I might, and my boss, uh, Tom Parker, who's the CEO at Mammoth Hospital, um, was really supportive of, of me doing this. And so, um, I kind of joke that I'm, I, I've said, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's me. <laughs> That's well, actually a really good saying. Yeah, it is. And it's it's very true, right? 
I mean, that's why busy people are busy because they get stuff done. So, yes, I saw a funny tweet the other day that was like, looking forward to another year of intentionally introducing stressful things into my life and then complaining about how stressed I am. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound appropriate. That is so great. You have to send like, that to me, it's, Sarah. It's me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, Sarah, why don't you tell our listeners about how you came to be here in Mono County and, um, yeah, what, what brought you here? Yeah. Um, well I grew up, um, well, I grew up in a few different places, but I went to high school in Sonora, California, which is just over the, the mountains from Mammoth. Um, not too far as the crow flies, but, um, that's where I went to high school. And then I went to college in Los Angeles, um, at USC and traveled after school. I, I spent a year in New Zealand after, um, I graduated college and, that's where I kind of found my love for the mountains, even though I really grew up in the Sierra. Um, I worked at a ski resort there and I learned to rock climb. And so when I returned home from New Zealand, I um, moved to Yosemite National Park and I lived there for about eight years. Um, I worked at wow. the Iwani Hotel as a server. Wow. Yeah, it was a, one, a wonderful time in my life. And, um, you know, as I was there in my early 20s, and uh, I also worked in the High Sierra camps. Um, mm -hmm. So for okay. those who don't know, there are like a, a series of backcountry, I call them like a backcountry bed and breakfast. Um, <laughs> they, the hikers come in and we, you know, give them a bed in a cabin and cook them breakfast and dinner. And um, so you get to live out it, you know, I, I lived at uh, Sunrise High Sierra Camp uh, two summers and then Merced Lake High Sierra Camp one summer. Merced Lake's about 13 miles from the road and uh, Sunrise about five miles. So wow. those experiences really, you know, I, did, I think there was kind of no going back to um, when I when I was in school in Los Angeles, I studied journalism and I thought I would. I don't know, work for, I worked on uh, Wilshire Boulevard at like a high rise, um, a magazine, like a magazine in a high rise building wow. and <laughs> wore high heels every day. And <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of, that life was a little bit lost to me once I decided, you know, once I fell in love <laughs> with the <Sierra. laughs> So when I moved to, I kind of joke that Mammoth, I moved to the big city of Mammoth from, uh, <laughs> from Yosemite and it seemed like a good compromise because I could have, uh, you know, a dog and uh, maybe maybe my own house someday. <laughs> and um, so, and we have a movie theater and a real grocery store. <laughs> so, right. so I moved to Mammoth in 2011, um, in the fall of 11. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I said I have a degree in journalism, but I kind of had been ski bumming it for a while. And um, just working as a server, I've worked as a server at a ton of restaurants here in town. And eventually, Ted Carlton at the sheet hired me from like old clips I had from, you know, 2004 from college. <laughs> <laughs> he took a chance. I, I remember I met him at the Looney Bean. And mm -hmm. uh, I was like, I, I want to get back into writing. And I met him at the Looney Bean. And I showed him my my clips from the newspaper that I edited in college. Mm -hmm. And he um, he was like, okay, you're hired. When, when do you start? 
That's awesome. So I worked for Ted for about three years. I actually covered town council, um, was my beat. And, um, you know, I, I've interviewed Stacy, um, yep. <laughs> a few times and yeah, <laughs> I, I joke that I have a lot more friends now that I don't work for the sheet, <laughs> but maybe now I'm on town council. I'll go revert to less friends. <laughs> <laughs> It's a small town, right? Uh-huh. It's a small town. So I, I'd like to think that my my shining personality would keep my friends with me. But um so so I did cover town council and um you know, I guess I, I started working at the hospital in May of 2018. Gary Myers, who was the previous CEO, hired me and um and now that I have this big girl job. And um, so the hospital has just been amazing. And uh, I, I said that I had enough distance from town, from my covering town council to run for town council two years later. So here I am, kind of full circle. You know, Sarah, what I, what I like about what you, your trajectory is, you know what, listeners who aren't familiar with the Eastern Sierra or Mammoth in particular, Mammoth's hospital is, it's world-class. It's a really amazing facility and we're blessed to have it. And then the other thing as a librarian is so many small town newspapers are just going the way of the wind these days. And in the Eastern Sierra, we're lucky to have multiple print newspapers still, the sheet being one of them. Yeah, I mean, Ted is uh, really, the sheet is such an institution, and we're so lucky mm-hmm. to have it. And I actually just recently um, subscribed. So shout out to, uh, you know, supporting local journalism, you can actually go on the sheetnews.com and subscribe to be a patron. Um, so I pay every month to get my subscription and it gets emailed to me. And, um, and so I, sub- I subscribed my mom cause I wanted her to be able to find, you know, to read about my, <laughs> the exploits of my administration. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting yourself in the foot right there. <laughs> So I would really recommend, um, you know, if if you can supporting the sheep, because I I mean, working there, um, you know, Ted, Ted he, he really is doing um, good work. We really need the the muckraking that he does. And so I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) We should also point out. To our listeners, just before we started recording, we talked about what a very local mammoth thing that people do. You just came off the mountain, and it, we're in the morning. I did, yeah. It's about 10 o'clock. I um, got up there at 8 and uh, took, you know, four or five runs and hopped in the car and drove back down the hill. And I was like, oh, I should go out for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So when when Doug texted me, he's like, you can join in any time. And I was like, well, I'm skiing, but I'll, I'll be there soon. I have it all, I have it all timed out perfectly. (laughs) Which is such a mammoth thing. I mean, that is so quintessential mammoth resident thing to do for sure. Yeah. As I, as I was saying, uh, you know, my, my new boss, Tom Parker, who was the CEO at the hospital when he, he just came, he moved to mammoth in December of 2000 and 
gosh, 19. So, um, no, it was 18. And that was our last really big winter. Oh my gosh, poor Tom and his wife. Mm -hmm. They just like Mm -hmm. got the, you know, trial by fire. But I told Tom when he started, I said, you know, Mammoth is a town full of ski bums that eventually had to figure out a job. So (laughs) try and keep that in mind when you're, you know, when you're working with people, it'll it'll help put you in the mindset. (laughs) It's true. Some people get up and go running before work and here people just get up and go skiing and then show up at work. Exactly. Well, especially on a day like today where, you know, the day we're recording, it's the day after we've, we've had a bunch of snow. It's a beautiful bluebird day. Uh, sun's out and it must've been beautiful up yeah, there. Yeah, it was gorgeous up there. And, um, you know, with, with, uh, COVID it's a great way to see your friends outside because, um, you know, I, I, I'm a really social person. So this year has been tough for me. Um, although I am kind of a secret introvert. So I kind of was joking that running for town council, this was a good year to be, uh, r- running as a, as a secret introvert. Cause I didn't have to go shake any hands. Or, I, I kind of got to just hide out and, and post on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, can't, you know, it's the pandemic. So I gotta stay, stay home. But, um, <laughs> but skiing, I mean, we're just, you know, we're, I feel really lucky to have that outlet and, and be able to you know, meet up and say hi and ski together outside because it's a pretty good socially distanced way to um, to see your loved ones. My sister was Absolutely. there as well, so that oh, was, nice. Yeah, she lives here in town. I I recruited her for Mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you seduced your sister into moving up here, like so. I did. Yeah. It was part of my grand plan <laughs> to you know make curate my community. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So Sarah, now that you're on town council, you know, what would you say is the council's, I I imagine, you know, COVID is is a major topic at your meetings, but is there any other priority going forward that the town has for 2021? Yeah. Um, you know, COVID, oh gosh, it's, it's so tough, right? Because we are a town that is totally, um, you know, tourism is our, is our, one trick pony. And, um, you know, we, as you guys know, we had such a busy summer and, um, and now that we're, we're in this, this dark time in the winter, we actually just, um, voted to, um, for a 470, uh, sorry, $450,000, um, aid package for our residents, um, that is all coming from town reserves. So, um, that's, uh, business assistance. That's 400,000 in business assistance, um, 200,000, I believe in, um, rent assistance and, um, and money to our food bank and also to, uh, what's called right to recover. So people are able to, uh, quarantine, if they don't have sick leave. So I'm really, uh, thankful that, that our town government has, has that ability to help out its residents in that way. Um, so that was really, that's great. You know, it's, it's certainly not enough 
ever. But, um, so, so that's, yeah, that's a big one. Um, for me, I ran on a platform of affordable housing. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, you know, I've lived in Mammoth for almost a decade now. Uh, this now is the first time in my life I've lived in a house with just myself and my partner, no roommates. Um, so I'm feeling pretty grown up. (laughs) 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 And so, you know, I just, I have been, I've always had multiple jobs, um, living here. I've always been trying to make it and, and scrape together enough to pay my rent and get my ski pass. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to run because I, I know what that life is like and I'm not so far removed from it yet, you know, and Mm -hmm. even, man, even with my like big girl job at the hospital, I, it, it's easy to forget how it felt to be piecing it together like right. that. And, um, it doesn't take a long to kind of get out of that rhythm, but I think I'm still close enough to it that, you know, I, I, I remember how it was like to live that life. And so I wanted to be a voice for, for people like I, like I have been here. Um, so for me, affordable housing, because the housing market is just so, so tough. And like I said, I have my little A-frame now and it's amazing. Um, but I looked for two years to find this house. And the only reason that I found it was because my friends lived here and they moved out of town and I just happened to luck into it. Um, so my big priority in, in my time on town council is getting affordable housing bill on the parcel. And, um, which is for the listeners who aren't in mammoth. Um, it's, a uh, uh, several acres in the middle of our town that has been for decades, um, slated for affordable housing. And we're finally, the town owns it and we're finally on track to build this housing. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm hoping we can, you know, get the first phase done at least while I'm, while I'm in office. I think that's that's so exciting. You know, as an, as someone who employs people and Stacy, you would understand this too. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all been through, what it's like having to have multiple roommates and, you know, paying exorbitant rents. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, some people don't understand that, especially about resort towns. It, it, it is a problem, but it's also a problem for employers to be able to attract and retain the right young people, especially who have the energy and the drive um, when they can't find a place to live that really suits their needs. And so I'm really looking forward to that development and, um, excited for it as well. Absolutely. I know I have a ton of friends in the business community here who just struggle to, you know, if they're a coffee shop owner or, you know, you're, you just have this revolving door because people, I kind of, talk about resort towns like a bit of an airport you know people come through and they but they're usually on their way to somewhere else and so um they're you know they're doing their season at a ski resort I mean I've done it myself when I lived in New Zealand I know and Mm -hmm. and so um to attract those people who want to stay and and contribute to their community you know you do you need that you need to be able to offer like they need to be able to have a, a place to live and not just a place where they're living with 15 other people. And especially during the pandemic, I mean, right. I'm so grateful that, that I don't have to worry about a roommate who's, you know, also working at the mountain and who knows if they're partying and, you know, it's really, um, right. especially now, I think it's put it into, you know, stark relief that we need sustainable places where people want to make their lives and, and their community and, and those people will stay. And, you know, and you're right, um, Christopher about the resort town issue, because we're competing with 
second homeowners who are able to pay those prices. And I I always say that Mammoth is uh, big city rent, small town wages. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, and, and I, you know, I've talked with a lot of people. I've been here almost 20 years now and you know, over those years, I've talked to a lot of people that are like, oh, I, I really want to live in Mammoth. And, I, you know, I love it there. It's so great. And, you know, they come here without a realistic expectation of what it takes to live here. Yeah. And then throw in a, an epic winter. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> my my poor boss Tom at the hospital. They moved here this that huge winter, and I was like, "Wow, you guys are really <laughs> in it now." Uh, they, they stayed. <laughs> so, yep. But those are the kind of winters that will break you. I the winter of sixteen seventeen when we had um, just yeah. back to back to back storms in that January and February. Yeah. That one almost broke me. I was, <laughs> and I'm young. You know, like I, I wrote a story that year about how how uh, much business the chiropractors were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was sledding off my roof that year. Right. So. Yeah, it does it gets crazy? Yeah, sure. Well, you've mentioned skiing, so we know you like to ski. What else do you like to do when you're not? Well, whenever you have some free time, <laughs> um, I I actually I enjoy running. Um, I've I've run a couple marathons. I'm a little bit out of practice, but I kind of like ebb and flow with running. Um, but Mammoth is just such a wonderful place to run. And I have a dog. I have a Brittany Spaniel. He's a bird dog, oh, so he loves jogging too. <laughs> and um, I love backpacking. Um. My my fiance Michael, who works for Mono County, um, and I are really into backpacking. So we before the smoke rolled in the summer, we got quite a few overnights in, um, which was great. Nice. And um, I just recently took up cross stitching, <laughs> so so that I would stop boom, boom scrolling on Twitter. <laughs> I, I was right before the election. I needed something to do with my hands. <laughs> oh, that is so smart. Definitely. That's so great. That is so smart. I love that. <laughs> so that's, and, um, you know, I, I love to read. Uh, I know that you talk a lot about books. So I'm, I'm in a book club here. I've been in the same book club for probably five years now with some other local women. Um, and that's really wonderful. Uh, it's been tough with the pandemic. We, We've been doing Zoom book clubs, which I kind of hate because I'm on Zoom so much already. But right, yeah. <laughs> now, Sarah, fess up. Is this like one of those book clubs where it's the wine and food first, and then maybe you get to the book, or do you guys actually talk about the book? I think time? all book clubs are <laughs> <laughs> wine and food first. <laughs> and, and- gossip and catch up (laughs) (laughs) it's that's kind of true yeah Um, but we have oh my gosh we read we've read so many books our first book that we read so we started in christmas of 15 i think so it has been almost Mm -hmm. five years and our christmas book in 2015 was um the bell jar by sylvia oh my god a little bit dark for the holidays (laughs) that's a heavy book (laughs) I love it. <laughs> and well, um, just re- our most recent book, which was my pick um, for the holidays again this year, was um, The Indifferent Stars Above, which mm-hmm. is about the Donner Party. <laughs> oh. 
I like this so, book club already. This is awesome. Yeah, you you guys don't mess around with the palate cleansers. No, you go right no. to the meat. Oh. My my choices are always pretty dark. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that is a fantastic book. It's by Daniel James Brown, and um, it's. It is about the Donner Party, but it's also about like the migration west, and mm-hmm. it's just an incredible piece of of um, historical nonfiction. And uh, I just I, I can't recommend it enough. It's really fantastic. Tell us the name again. It's the Indifferent Stars Above by Daniel okay. James Brown. Thank you. We'll we'll link it in our our show notes. For yeah, sure. it's really fantastic. Do any other book recommendations you have? You you actually recommended a book to me that I discussed on the podcast the, the last season. Yeah, did that, that over the fantastic. summer, I think. Really good. So really good. another book recommendation. What's your favorite book of all time? Oh my gosh, my favorite book of all time. Um, ugh, I'm a huge John Steinbeck fan. Um, but I want to say... I think my favorite book of all time is a book called A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. I love that book. (laughs) By Dave Eggers. I'm a huge Dave Eggers fan. That book, I actually have a signed copy of that. Wow. I met him in like a Santa Monica bookstore when I was in college. And uh, yeah, he drew a half of a dog. (laughs) (laughs) You're the last person in line. You get a half of a dog. So Did did he also write The Circle? He did. Yeah. yeah I read that this year. It was good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I fell in love with him when I was in college. So I, that's a little bit of where my mental state was, you know, when I read Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. But I think I just have a real like emotional tie to that book. Um, right now I'm reading a fantastic book that I, I uh, listened to your last podcast with uh, Dave from the Bookie Joint. I always mm-hmm. just, I just go in there and I kind of like sit down and <laughs> choose what, what speaks to me you know I've been really into nonfiction lately just or I mean sorry I into fiction lately because mm-hmm. I need like that escape um, <laughs> so I'll, I just like to pick up a nice novel so this is outside the book club but I'm reading Homegoing by uh, Ya Gyasi um, it's this book about two sisters who are born in Africa and one uh, gets sold to the slave trade and comes to America and one stays in Africa and Mm. it's about like their two families and how they diverge. And, um, so that's really fantastic. I've been reading a lot of like that sort of, uh, fiction lately. Uh, the nickel boys I just recently, uh, read, which just, I, right. I always judge a book by how many times it makes me cry. So uh, <laughs> that one was a good, you know, five or seven times. So, <laughs> uh, that's by Colston Whitehead. And that yep. was, and I took that one backpacking and that was fantastic. Nice. Yeah. I oh. like a good uh, paperback. I can take backpacking. <laughs> now, Sarah, do you, do you juggle multiple books at once or do you pretty much just focus, finish and move on to the next? That's a great question. I'm actually reading two books right now. I'm reading The Homegoing, and then I have a nonfiction, which actually Ted Carlton from The Sheet lent me. It's called Leaders Eat Last, mm-hmm. and it's by Simon Sinek, and he had quoted it in one of his columns, and I was like, hey, can I borrow that book? Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of uh, wading through that one, but it's, you know, I just, I, it's, it's really good. Um, I just, the no- I'm really into novels right now, and, and right. And because again, I just kind of need that escape. So 
I've had it. I've borrowed it for about three months. I think I'm <laughs> give it back. But. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's interesting. Stacy and I have this conversation about how many books we're reading it at once, too. And I think during the pandemic, especially when people have been trying, searching out for things to focus on that is different than the news, mm. um, you know, and still yet having trouble focusing, I think a lot of people are diving into different genres or what have you. And I am like you, I read a lot of historical nonfiction. Uh, but I've read a lot of novels in the last six months, probably more than I usually would. Yeah, yeah. The, the focusing, I, I, I hear that for sure. It's, it's tough. Um, I think that is, a, that is like a trauma response, you know, <laughs> like not yeah. being focused. And uh, usually I'm, I'm, I'm pretty focused and I do find myself jumping around a lot more than I, than I used to. So that's, <laughs> I'm the, I'm, this is the first year that I've, I've I've told Christopher he's converted me into reading multiple books at a time, but I find myself picking a different book to read depending on the mood I'm in or what I need in that moment. Right. And, um, so I've, I've become a a multiple book at one time person. (laughs) No one kicking and screaming. (laughs) We tried to read uh, war and peace for the book for a book club. I did not succeed. Um, (laughs) Well, you know what? You're to be applauded for trying. Yeah. I, you know, that's. <laughs> I think I got about 10. I took it on. So right before in February of last year, my fiance and I went to the Philippines and wow. we got back by like the skin of our teeth. We got back on March 7th of 2020 and our flight had been canceled and we rebooked it due to because of coronavirus. And it was kind of like. We, I, so I, so I took War and Peace to the Philippines and I, I saw, I sawed it in half. <laughs> I didn't want to carry the whole book um, on the trip. And, um, yeah, we were just so busy. I feel like I really don't read that well on vacation because I'm yeah. packing yeah. it in, but, um, Ooh, that was, you know, and then we got back and I was like, Whoa, you know what I, what cracks me up when book club book clubs pick those big heavy classics? My formal book club, we did Anna Karenina, and what you realize is, <laughs> and we actually met on a beach to talk about it. It was so surreal. <laughs> you really, yeah, right. Like who who actually finished it? Who admits they didn't finish it? And then the rest of us just pretended and talked our way the through. Club yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cliff notes. Oh, that's what you're there for. So I think we, uh, one of our members is Jamie Gray. She works at the town of Mammoth Lakes and she is just, she's such a fast reader. She doesn't even start reading the book that we choose until we set a date for the book club because she goes. (laughs) Wow. So I can't keep up with her. I think she finished it. Um, (laughs) yeah, impressive. Someday. Someday. (laughs) Someday. It's on my bookshelf, cut in half. So, so oh, book, Sarah. Oh, go ahead, Christopher. Well, I was just going to say one last question. You know, this is our first episode in 2021. It's the first week of January. So can't get you go without asking you this. Do you do New Year's resolutions? Uh, uh kind, not really. <laughs> no. Not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just kind of feel like like improvement is a process. And although I am kind of, I am a kind of person who does enjoy like dead, like setting, uh, 
a time frame for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of say if if I sign up for something, I'll do it. You know, like mm-hmm. like that's why. Okay, so I've run a couple marathons, but if I'm not training for a marathon, I'm kind of lazy about running because I don't have. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> have a you have know a goal. A goal. So I do I do enjoy the idea of resolutions, but no, I don't tend to make them. Um I just kind of feel like I'm on a slow steady march towards progress. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love and, that. You know, awesome. I just try to keep my, my I have a friend who always said I always try to be like walking uphill a little bit, you know, like yeah. leaning yeah. uphill. And sometimes you stumble back a little bit, but if you're kind of keep leaning uphill, it's a good way to, good way to go. Yeah. That's Forward great. motion. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good, good advice. What about you guys? Do you do resolutions? <laughs> no. We've talked about this in the past. <laughs> the only resolution that I do successfully is I will say I will eat green, something green once a day all year, but something green can be spinach or it can be green jello. So, oh, you know, you a loophole. You create a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should be a politician. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, a way out. I like to give myself a way. <laughs> That's really good. Sarah, it's been great chatting with you, and thank you for joining the podcast. You- Thanks, Sarah. It's delightful. I, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Um, I forget, Stacy, when I think you sent me like a link to it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Almost, I mean, how long have you been on? A year? A year and a half. Oh, wow. Awesome. episodes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. It's just Thanks. so fun. Um, it's, it's so fun, you know, hearing you to talk about about Mono County and love the love the book part and um, yeah I'm I'm really honored to be asked on thank you so much <laughs> what a joy we're thrilled to have you and we wish you great success in your new role on town council thank you're going to be awesome pray for me <laughs> we'll do <laughs> just lean uphill that's all you have to do yeah I'm just going to keep leaning uphill <laughs> and thank you listeners for joining us for another episode and we wish each of you to just lean uphill and move forward in 2021. It's getting better. And uh, thank you for joining us on this episode. And of course you can subscribe on all major podcast uh, platforms that you listen to your podcasts on. You can find us at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. Our Instagram account is O2 starved. It's the same as our Facebook account where we will post links to this episode and our website will also post links to Sarah's books and other suggestions. And yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. 